Okay, well, let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, for life, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, Lord. Thank you, Father, that the word of God is our instruction manual to come into all that you would have for us, Lord God. That, Father, you would equip us, Lord, through your word. That, Lord, you would impress it upon our heart. That, Lord, you would cause us to put it into action, because faith is action, love is action, Lord. So, Father, I pray that as we look at this last part of the book of Esther, Lord God, we would be equipped, we would know how to receive favour from you. And that, Father, we would implement and follow your instructions, Lord God, so that we can come into the fullness, Lord, And it's not for our benefit, Father. We want to see your kingdom enlarged. We want to see your will fulfilled on this earth in our lifetime, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's warm. Please forgive me, but I'm not in charge of the weather. I can't do anything about it whatsoever. If it's too cold, we're British and we moan. If it's too hot... We're British and we moan. If it's in between, we're fed up with that and we moan. There's nothing we can do. It's the British weather, I'm afraid. And guess what? God is sovereign over it as well. So if you have any complaints, you know where to take them. Amen? So we are carrying on on part seven. Esther and God's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation. And last time we left the story with Esther uh, in a real predicament because uh, Haman had been exposed for the, the manipulator that he was and for his intention to kill and annihilate all the Jewish people. And it got exposed by Esther and by Mordecai. And then we left things with a cliffhanger. Haman uh, is, is hung on the gallows, but there's still the problem of the law has gone out and the king's law was irrevocable. The Jews, whether Haman was alive or dead, were still under a death sentence. Okay, so that's where we were. So uh, Esther chapter 8 and verse 5 says, If it pleases the king, she said, and if he regards me with favour and thinks it's the right thing to do, if if he is pleased with me, Let another order be written overruling the dispatches that Haman devised and wrote to destroy the Jews in all the king's provinces. For how can I bear to see disaster fall on my people and how can I bear to see the destruction of my family? So last week we saw that uh, the king realises that also Esther is Jewish. So it's not just a predicament for the Jews themselves. Now it's actually a predicament for the king because it means his wife has got to die because she's Jewish. So he got, you know, tied up in this complexity. Esther 8 verse 7. King Xerxes replies to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew. Because Haman attacked the Jews, I have given his estate to Esther and I have hung him on the gallows. Now write another decree in the king's name on behalf of the Jews as seems best to you, 
and seal it with the king's signet ring. For no document that the king, with the king's name and seal can be revoked. So the original law, the decree, the edit that the king put out cannot be changed. It is a done deal. And there's nothing that they can do. Not even the king can change the circumstances of what took place. Now what I do love is the king gives them the freedom and he says, write a new edit as what seems best to you. And there's a level of trust there. The king could not stop the order to annihilate the Jews. The only thing he could do was to give Mordecai and Esther a green light to decide on a decree that would deflect the first one in order to protect and save the Jews. And sometimes in life we face situations and you cannot change the past. It happened. You can't change it. You can't do anything about it. And for all your tears and moaning and disappointment, you just can't change it. You wish that you could. And if you had the opportunity to go back in time, you would change it. But the fact of the matter is, what happened yesterday, you will never, ever, ever be able to change. But what you can do is you can lessen its effects by doing something today. We can live in yesterday or we can live in today. You can live with regret or you can live with hope. You can live with faith or you can live faithless. It is actually up to us. And as Esther and Mordecai were given the freedom to decide the future fate of their own people, God has actually given each one of us the authority to, to, to decide what our future holds, to a degree. Okay? God has actually given that. But for us to actually move into certain things, we have to do something. Not everything is unconditional. Not everything is unconditional. Not everything falls in our lap. When we first started out on this series seven weeks ago, we said, it was, uh, Esther was in hot pursuit of favour. Pursuit. You have to get up, you have to do something. It's not going to land in your lap. And sometimes that might just be a mindset or a lifestyle choice that we need to change or follow. So, the decree couldn't be stopped. That was already out. It's a bit like kicking a ball in the air. You can kick a ball in the air, and whilst it's in the air, you can think, pants, I shouldn't have done that. But it's too late. The law of gravity means that that ball will come down and land at some point. When I was a kid, I was, uh, I was playing with stones and a tennis racket. On normal housing estates, you have a tennis ball as well. But on hares, we had great big stones and rocks and stuff like that. And I was at the front in the street with my friend. And we were getting stones and whacking them up in the air. This is in the middle of a street, housing estate. Whacking them up in the air. And we're just having fun. didn't think about where they'd land or the consequences or anything. And all of a sudden, there was an almighty bang. And the stone that either me or he 
hit one of us and smashed straight through the window screen of a car. And the funny thing was, as I'd hit some of the bigger ones, I did actually think, they're quite big, you know? But once they left that racket, I was like John McEnroe. Once they're gone, there was nothing I could do. And for all my praying and regret at the moment, nothing was going to stop that stone coming back down. And there were some things we pray about and God ain't going to do it. Okay? It's not going to happen. God was not going to break the law of gravity to get me out of that situation. Okay? What I did was run as fast as I could and hide in a bush. That was how I saved myself. But with this situation, the decree's gone out, it's been given, and there's nothing, not even the king can do to change the circumstances. And sometimes we're looking at our circumstances, asking God to change what has happened. Or sometimes to even change the predicament we're in. But there are times God's not going to change it. You know? It's not, if I had my word, pray, Lord, you know, let the summer last for 12 months a year. But you know what? As much as he loves me, he ain't going to do it. And there are some prayers that we pray, and we're disappointed when they're not answered, but God's never going to do that. And the best way to know whether you get answered prayer is to know your God and pray in the will of God. Amen? When you're praying in the will of God, you will receive his best for, for you, for us, for each one of us. And you had the same situation with Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17, it says, And to Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife, and you ate from the tree which I had commanded you, you must not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. Then you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground. For since from it you were taken, and from dust you are, and to dust you will return. So when Adam and Eve sinned, they broke a law that God had put in place, and immediately there was a problem, and nothing could change it. Because of Adam and Eve's sin, Mankind would be separated from God and we would face death. So what did God do? He devised the plan, which he'd already devised, which was Jesus, the Saviour. He didn't change what had happened in the garden. But what he did do, he changed what was going to happen in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, a plan was devised which would deflect the problem of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden got solved in the Garden of Gethsemane. Amen? But he didn't undo what had been done. It meant Jesus had to die and stand in our place. Death still had to be satisfied. So a summary of what happens next. The royal secretaries wrote... Mordecai's orders to all the Jews and authorities of each one of the 127 provinces, from India to Ethiopia to Libya, in all the language of the people living 
in those provinces. So Esther chapter 8 and verse 10. Mordecai wrote in the name of the king and sealed the dispatches with the king's signet ring and sent them by a mounted courier who rode fast horses especially bred for the king. The king's edict granted that every Jew in every city had the right to assemble and protect themselves to destroy, kill and annihilate any armed forces or nationality of a province that might attack them and their women and children and plunder their property and the property and they could plunder the property of their enemies. So this was the get-out clause. God, he couldn't change what had happened, but he was going to equip the Jews to deal with it. You can't change what has happened, but you can be equipped to deal with it. You can't change the past. You can't stop that abuse from taking place. You can't stop that mistake of sin that you did. You can't do certain things about the past, but you can be equipped to deal with it. I've always said I will never be a product of my upbringing. I'll be a product of the kingdom of God. My upbringing, I will not be the product of that. I will be a product of who God says I am, of what the word says about me, and that is what I will be. I will not be the product of my past, my failings, my weaknesses, and all these different things, but I'll be a product of what the Word of God says about me. And how does that happen? I have to live according to it. So you, you can't come to church on a Sunday and worship like a saint and then spend the next seven days living like a sinner and think God's going to bless you. He loves you irrespective. That's not going to change. But he can't bless you in certain areas because of our own conduct. And our conduct has got to be fitting in keeping God first. Amen? This would take place on the very day that Haman had, had chosen to attack the Jews. The Jews then had nine months to prepare in order to defend themselves. And it's amazing how they got to write their own destiny. They could have said, oh, but I am a victim of my past. I'm a victim of being uh, pushed out. I'm a victim of this. I'm a victim of that. And they could have stayed in the victim mentality, but they didn't. They moved into a victorious mentality and they decided, let's write an edit that gives us time and equip ourselves to defend ourselves so that we won't be a victim anymore. And sometimes people are still living in the victim mentality and they never break out of it. For all the prayer, for all the good intention, for all the conferences, for this, that and the other, and they stay in a victim mentality for the rest of their lives. Yes, they're saved, yes, they're going to heaven, yes, they're wonderful people, but they stay in the mindset of, I'm a victim. And I'm not saying what we go through is not light. Some of us have been through some heavy stuff. Real awful, awful stuff may have happened in your life. And I'm not poo-pooing it. I'm not playing it down. I'm just saying the blood of Jesus is greater. It's greater than any abuse. It's greater than any lie. It's greater than any plan of the enemy. 
It's greater. It's healing. It's greater. But sometimes we want to stay in the victim mentality. But the Jews, Mordecai and Esther, immediately made the decision, and it wasn't just about themselves, it was about their people. They were kingdom-minded. See, and if you want the favour of God, you've got to be kingdom-minded, not just kin-minded. Kingdom is the kingdom of God. Kin is just your own family. But we're called to the kingdom. We've been adopted into a new family, a greater family, an eternal family. And they had this kingdom mentality. Jumping to verse 15, Mordecai left the king's presence wearing a royal garments, blue and white, and a large crown of gold and purple robe of fine linen. Isn't it wonderful? Don't you love it? Remember Mordecai in the dust and the ashes and the crack, heartbroken, no way forward, what is he going to do? He's devastated, he's in the dirt. Esther's trying to send clothes to him so he can dress properly. He can't even, in such despair. And suddenly, he leaves the king's presence and he's got a crown. And he's got all of his royal robes on. You know, he knows who he is and he walks according to it. God had risen him up. And sometimes the best way to get promoted is go down first. Go down first. Get humble. Get on your knees. Get on your knees. Deal with your pride. Get humble. Get in the dirt. Get in prayer. Share your heart with God. Let him change you. Let him shape you. Yes, it's hard work. Yes, it's painful. But when he raises you up, oh, you're in a different place. You're in a different place. The greatest way up in the kingdom is down. Be a servant. You see, God opened doors. God don't make leaders, he makes servants. servants. Mordecai was a servant. And God turned him into a prime minister. Mordecai was prime minister. What a transformation from being dressed in sackcloth and ashes. Mordecai is now dressed in royal robes. Wonderful. See, some of us have still got our satch cloth and ashes on. We're still in mourning for what was, what happened, what did, you know? And we're, we're stuck in that place. We're trying to walk like a king, but the trouble is we're still in satch cloth and ashes because we won't let go. Just let go. You if you can't change it, let go of it. Otherwise, it's just dead wood that you're dragging around with you everywhere. Prepare for what's next. One of my little canaries has become a mother. Mara's canaries. has become a mother. And she's got this little chick. And the chick's growing and doing great and everything else. Yesterday, I spot her. She's following her husband. Because they don't live in fornication. They're married. I've done the ceremony for them. It's all sorted. They've even got a little ring on their ankle, you see. That's why it's there. They're married. Mr. and Mrs. Birdie Bird, and uh, 
This morning, she's out, yesterday, she's out, and she's going behind her husband, and she's trying to pull a feather out of his towel. I thought, what a horrible bird, why is she doing that? I haven't told you this bit. This morning, I'm up there nice and early. What's she doing? She's chasing the doves, and she's trying to pull the feathers out of their towels. I thought, what's wrong with this stupid bird? She's in preparation. Yes. She's built, we removed her nest, her home, everything. We didn't want no more babies. We removed the nest. Do you know what she's done? The little bit of wood by the door where you go in and out, she's making a nest there. See, you can't stop her. She is a woman in love. But what she's doing, she's preparing. And because she knows what she envisions, what she wants, she can't find anything to make a nest out of because we removed it. And she looked and thought, you ain't that smart. You're not that smart. I'm smarter. I'm going to have a future. I'm going to have me some more bambinos. And she's chasing the other birds. She's nicking their feathers out to make her nest. She's got a vision for herself. And if we've got a vision for ourselves, we need to live our lives according to the calling. If God's going to do something, John the Baptist prepared the way of the Lord. Why? Because God was going to move. He was going to do something. And John the Baptist knew it. And so he began to prepare. And we've got to prepare. What are you believing for? What are you hoping for? What you want? Start walking in faith that's tangible. Not just a wishing and a hoping. One day, over the mountain tops, you know. Make your make your faith come into reality. Scripture says, Paul says, stir the gift of faith, stir it up. You know, like a bowl of porridge, like a bowl of soup. Stir it. Get it active. Get it moving. And get with people who will help you. Get with people who will challenge you. You might not like them. But you haven't got to like them. But then, do you know what? Some of the people who will get you to the next level where God wants you to be, they might be people who offend you and you don't get on with them very well at all. And you will be naive and stupid if you shut them out of your life because they're the very people you need to be challenged and they will get you to that next place. But for the sake of being comfortable and having yes men and women in your life, you just think, oh no, you know? We've got to be sensitive as to what God is doing. So Mordecai leaves transformed. Isaiah 61 verse 3 says, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, and they will be called the oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the Lord's display of his uh, display." of his splendor. Amen? No wonder, that's what we are. See, when King Xerxes wanted to show off his greatness, what did he do? He got all the bling, all the gold, all the silver, the crown. He got it all out. Do you know what God does when he wants to display his glory? He gets you out. He says, these are my kids. Look at this. Fantastic. Fantastic. Each and every one of them. And he displays us. And Satan sits in the background throwing stones. They just bounce off. Amen? Amen. Mordecai was in despair, but now he's got the oil of gladness. Isaiah 61 verse 10. 
I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. That's what God has done. Wonderful. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. But you are a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Isn't it wonderful? See, there's a scripture that says, man is without excuse in general, humanity, when you look at the glory and the wonder of all creation and the stars and the oceans and the depths of all these things, it's magnificent. It baffles every scientific mind, every philosopher. No one can absorb it or understand it. And God says, look, man is without excuse. Just look at all of that. But there's a greater glory. You. You're the greater glory. We are the crowning glory of God's creation. With the last final bit to the puzzle, his crowning glory, his achievement, and he's made all these different things, but he said, when it comes to humanity, I'm going to make them in my image. Wow. That's fantastic. Made in the image of God. Now, I'm not saying God looks like Luke, necessarily, but we're made in his image. Wonderful. The city of Susa held joyous celebrations. For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and gladness and honour. In every province and in every city where the edit of the king went, there was joy and gladness amongst the Jews with uh, feasting and celebration. And many of the other nationalities become Jews for fear of the Jews had seized them. So suddenly, across all the provinces, the Jews who were going to be the least annihilated and destroyed suddenly have become the most and the most celebrated and honoured. And the other nationalities became fearful of the Jews. Chapter 9, chapter 9 tells us about how the tables turn and how the annihilation from Haman had now gone and we've now got the upper hand. Verse 2. And the Jews assembled in their cities and in all the provinces of the king's Xerxes to attack those seeking their destruction. They did not attack those who were not. Okay? They attacked those who were going to attack them. No one could stand against them because all of the other nationalities were afraid of them. And all of the nobles in the provinces and the satraps and the governors and the king's administrators helped the Jews because of the fear of Mordecai had seized them. Mordecai was prominent in the palace and his reputation spread throughout the provinces and he became more and more powerful. What did Mordecai do to gain such power? Nothing. He didn't go after it. He didn't try and promote himself. He wasn't worried about the power. In actual fact, he didn't even want the power. It wasn't his concern. 
what he did was live righteously. What he did was absolutely understand and know the will of God. And because God had a plan, Mordecai was in tune with God and Mordecai got chosen. And because he got chosen, he got elevated. And God elevated him to such levels that he could be so successful. From the least to the greatest. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Psalm 23, verse 5, Psalm of David, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. And it wasn't an arrogant walking around, I've got better than you, remember when I had nothing and now I'm fantastic. David wasn't like that. That's pride, that's arrogance. He just knew what God was going to do. Mordecai, Mordecai knew what God was going to do. He just went with God's plan. And God always elevates when we humble ourselves. To his will, God will always elevate. And you meet some people in life and they're just forever struggling to, to get higher up the ladder. And in actual fact, most of them never do. They just stay on the same one. They just change feet. But they're actually on the same one. They think they're going up the ladder. They're just standing on the spot. They think they're going miles. Yesterday I said uh, to Luke and Caleb, right, we'll do some keep fit sort of stuff they wanted to do. I've got pains there. I think I'm growing boobs. I've got, yeah... They were making me do press-ups and everything. And uh, Caleb said to me, Dad, you need to start going running. So I'm like, on the spot, running. He said, that's no good. You've got to go outdoors and run. I said, I can't be bothered. I'm doing it indoors or I'm not doing it at all. (laughs) Esther 9, verse 5. The Jews struck down all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them. And they did as they pleased to those who hated them. In the Cedardale of Susa, the Jews killed and destroyed 500 men. They also killed the ten sons of Haman. The enemy of the Jews but they did not lay their hands on the plunder. Haman's ten sons were killed. Haman's line was finally wiped out once and for all. What King Saul should have done, Mordecai accomplished. Verse 11. The number of those slain in the citadel of Susa was reported to the king that same day. The king said to the Queen Esther, The Jews have killed and destroyed 500 men and the 10 sons of Haman in the citadel of Susa. What have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your petition? It will be given to you. And what is your request? Isn't it funny? Every time he sees this girl, she's on the elbow for something. She she must walk around with a bag. And he sees that bet, he's tapping me up again. Well, now what does she want? You know? And every time in his presence, it's, what do you want? What is your request? 
What is your request? It will also be granted. If it pleases the king, Esther replied, give the Jews in Susa permission to carry out this day's edit also, uh, tomorrow also, and let Haman's ten sons be hanged on the gallows. Now we're not sure totally why she requested this extra day. Maybe she was expecting a bit of a retaliation for the, the Haman's sons being hanged on the gallows. Who knows? But Haman's sons were killed by uh, Esther's request. Their bodies were hung on the gallows to remind everybody what happens when you attack the Jews. In ancient times, it was to celebrate uh, over your enemies. You would parade the dead of the enemy. In London, we went to Tower of London last year, and you've got Traitor's Gate, and you've got uh, something hill. can't remember the name of it, but Traitor's Gate. And, and they would, uh, in the 1600s, 1500s, going back, they would hang people at Traitor's Gate if you were a traitor. They'd chop your head off and stick it on a pole. And that was to deter other people. That's what happens if you take on the king. Quickly chop me off with your head and stuck on a pole. And this is what happens in the time of uh, Esther. So it was done as Esther requested. He wrote to them to observe the days and days of the feasting and to enjoy and to give in a presence and a food to one another and gifts to the poor. So basically it was Christmas. They suddenly were having a feast and they're giving each other presents and they're remembering the poor and they're looking after the poor as well and they're celebrating. And the Jews always commemorated when God did something in their lives. And this celebration was going to be called Purim, which was the only celebration that the Jews decided to do themselves. And it is still customary to this day. And it's a two-day feast of celebration. Esther chapter 10, verse 1. Then King Xerxes imposed tribute throughout the empire and to the distant shores. And all of his acts of power and might, together with a full account of the greatness of Mordecai, to which the king had raised him. Isn't it wonderful? He doesn't forget people. I love that. Honour where honour is due. And he doesn't forget. And he makes sure there's a full account of what Mordecai had done. And it's sent out everywhere. And they're written in the book of Annals of the Kings of Media and Persia. Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Xerxes and preeminent amongst the Jews and held in high esteem by all his fellow Jews because he worked for the good of his people and he spoke up for the welfare of the Jews. Isn't that wonderful? So he's, he's signing off. What he was remembered for was in actual fact it summarised that he worked for the good of his people and he spoke up for the welfare of the Jews. That is why he's remembered. And we've got to stand up in our day and age, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've got to stand up for truth. We've got to speak out truth. And, the, you know, me and Lorraine Luke, we were talking yesterday, there's, there's so much stuff 
where scripture gets taken out of context and different things get added and traditions and ideas get added and you watch stuff on YouTube, I tell you, you go bald overnight and it's all done in the name of Christianity and a lot of it naively but you see all this stuff and sometimes you've got to say, well, no, that doesn't sit right. That's actually not what scripture says. It's a bit like Chinese whispers, you know. It starts off, mum went to the shop, but it ends up over here, the shop shot a gun. You say, what? And people say, yeah, the shop shot a gun. And we all do it. And you know, that doesn't actually make sense with what the Bible says over here. But we're all doing this and we're all going along with it because it seems great and it sounds good and it's Christianese, but it's not scripture. It's been taken out of context, it's been moved, it's been misunderstood, it's been wrongly applied. There are some promises in the Bible that don't belong to you. They're not for you, you're not going to get it, alright? Mary is the only one who's going to have a virgin birth. You can't claim some promises, okay? we have to know what the promises are and how we understand them and who they apply to. But Mordecai would be remembered from this point on for that very fact. Mordecai was elevated to being second in position, the same as Daniel and the same as Joseph in their day. See, God will open the door for people to move in very high places but will they fulfill his will? That's the question. And if they're not going to fulfill his will, guess what? The door ain't going to be opening. If you want some open doors, make sure you're willing to fulfill God's will. What does God, why am I in this place? What is God's purpose? And you can think, well, I'm just a school teacher in this thing. I'm just a mum bringing up my kids. I'm just a this. I'm just a carpenter. In, I'm just a worker in a warehouse. I'm just, what significance? I don't get, do you know what? Have your eyes and your ears about you. You don't know who else is working in the same place. You don't know what God is doing in the background. As Haman was working out how to annihilate the Jews, God was showing a plan that he was going to annihilate Haman and his sons. See, the same time, maybe some crap's coming in your direction. Remember, God's got a fan and he's going to blow it the other way. Amen? So Mordecai is now Prime Minister. Raised up to the very highest point that he could be raised to. Now, God is not mentioned directly in the book of Esther, but yet you can see the thumbprint and the principles and the interaction of God all over it. It's wonderful. The favour was not just for Mordecai and Esther. The favour was for the people as well to be set free. There's a bigger picture to your life than just you. It's a bigger picture. And sometimes you think, they're just me and I live in my village and I walk my dog and, you know, get my stamps at the post box and, you know, that's all my life. Yeah, don't think so small. Who are you going to meet in the post office? You don't know the people who are watching you and your lifestyle and the decisions you make. You don't know who's watching you. Wow. You don't know what God may do. In closing then, 
How do we obtain the favour of God? Well, firstly, we have it because we're his children. And what parent doesn't show favour to their children, even when they don't deserve it? You know, it's true. But the lessons are, they were obedient. Esther and Mordecai were obedient. They did what God wanted them to do, despite, especially for Esther, the, the consequences that there could have been. But she was obedient. They were willing to take risks for the kingdom. They were willing to take risks. They were willing to step out of the boat. They were willing to risk their lives. And sometimes you've got to take a risk, even in relationships, talking to people. They acted with wisdom and tact. They had wisdom and they had timing. Especially Mordecai. Wisdom and timing. Their trust was in God. That's what they trusted in. God. What did they have? Nothing. Esther is an orphan. Mordecai is sitting in a, in a cloud of dust. They've got nothing. And sometimes we can say, and I've done this, oh, I would do this, that and the other if I had the tools. I would do this, that and the other if I had the finances. I would do this, that and the other if I had. And sometimes you've just got to go with the strength you've got. But go. Just go. Stop waiting for everything to fall in place and you, you need yet another 15 confirmations. If it's in the Word, you don't need a confirmation. The Word is, it is its confirmation. Amen? God has blessed you with opportunities. You know? We were talking, myself, Tony, Ricky, last year about uh, uh, different helping ministries in Gravesend and what could we do and so on and so forth because we don't have a hall to feed the homeless here. We don't have it. We're too far from the town. We rent the building. We haven't got the resources. And we were talking about it last year. It's a bit frustrating. And do you know what? Less than a year later, God has put us in a position where I'm the general manager of one of the biggest homeless projects in Gravesend. Wow. So you don't know how God's going to do it. But you've got to believe that he will. And you've got to be willing to move. You've got to be willing to change. It's inconvenient. I was woken up 7 o'clock this morning, phone calls from work, I had to go in. It was inconvenient. Well, see, we don't want to be inconvenienced for the gospel anymore. Well, it's inconvenient. I um, don't want to, you know, we've got, sometimes we've got it all so gentle and easy. But they were willing to be inconvenienced. They weren't reactionaries. They could have just responded out of frustration and so on and so forth. But they kept their call. Keep your call. Keep your head. You might be exploding on the inside, but keep your call. Keep your head in the situation. Don't just react. Take a bit of time. Let's take a bit of time for God to come into that situation rather than just reacting to it. They had compassion for people's needs. They were compassionate. They were concerned about other people. 
when Esther was made aware, she became concerned. When Mordecai became aware, they became concerned for others. Jesus was full of compassion. It was, and in Scripture it says he was moved with compassion. Sometimes we become so hard-hearted that we're no longer like the Good Samaritan. We become like the religious priest. We see so much deprivation every day around us. We're just used to it. It's just part of the way we roll now. It's just it, that society is what it is. It doesn't affect us anymore. But our hearts have become hard. We've lost compassion. But they remained compassionate. They were moved with compassion. They moved with discernment, wisdom. They lived righteously. And they didn't abuse their position or power for selfish gain. Wasn't about them, nor the position, nor the power. It was about the people and the will of God. Before, Esther was an orphan girl. Afterwards, Esther was made a queen. Before, Mordecai was just a servant. Afterwards, he was made prime minister. Before Mordecai sat in sackcloth and ashes. After Mordecai, Mordecai wore, gold, uh, wore royal robes. Before Esther would have had very little. Afterwards, she could choose from all the riches of 127 different provinces. Remember where we started, the pursuit of favour, the effort to secure, to attain, to follow, to run after, to endeavour, to search, to chase down, to get a hold of. Be inspired by the story of Esther. Amen? Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray, Father, you would remove the scowls from our eyes, the blinkers from our vision, Lord God. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart that would activate us. Lord, that we would have compassion on those less fortunate than ourselves, that we would have compassion on the kingdom of God, that we would have a passion for you and your kingdom, Lord God. Father, I thank you for your grace of which we just sit and receive. And that's our salvation and your love for us and all that it entails. Our, our minds cannot even comprehend it. But when it comes to your favour, I pray, Lord God, that we would spot it. We would desire to fulfil your will. That, Lord, you would open up ahead of us, things of the kingdom of God, that you would equip us, that, Lord God, you would raise us up, just like you raised up Daniel, Joseph, and Mordecai, because they were willing, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we thank you and we praise you. I pray, Lord, that these lessons will just be engraved upon our heart, Lord God, 
that, Father, we wouldn't be victim mentality. Yes, it's painful. Yes, it hurts. Yes, we're aware of what happened. No, it's not right. But we're moving on. We're walking light. We're putting down our unforgiveness. We're putting down our resentment. We're putting down our insecurities. We're putting down our disappointment. We're putting down that hope deferred. We're putting down what other people think of us. We're putting down what we think of ourselves. And we're moving on, Lord. We can't climb this mountain with all this stuff cluttering us and holding us back, Lord. And if you're here today and you want prayer, then I'll pray with you and for you to receive the favour of God. But really, we're equipped. We know what to do. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We celebrate you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.